Insignia? What are you doing? Mia, put the gun down. Put the gun down, please. Mia! Put the fucking gun down! All right, guys, we just got done talking uh, Scream. Now we're talking, well, what the hell, another horror. Well, we have, it's not our fault because you got to realize, people, every time we want, we kind of want to do an action film, in all fairness, it's usually Stallone or Schwarzenegger, but every time we want it, we're going to get very away from horror. They always end up, you know, putting out a sequel. <laughs> and we have to go back and see it, right? So we got to, you know, continuity's sake, you know, and technically, the one we're talking about, talk about Evil Dead 2013, is a direct sequel to the original Evil Dead. All right, we got newcomer Fidi Alvarez. You know, I, lately with horror films, I talked to Adam Wingard and Neil Marshall and uh, all these other directors I followed who did small, independent, you know, from Your Next to Doc Soldiers and, you know, so forth. Horror films always introduce us to new talent. And this definitely gave us new talent. Sam Raimi discovered uh, Fede Alvarez. So he'll see, you know, this guy's short films. And he gave this guy a shot to take over his baby. The great thing about horror films is that horror films, especially when one does well, it introduces us new talent. And that new talent goes on to do other things. Because sadly, the day of the directors. They're very far and few between. You don't get the, you know the Spielbergs, the Lucases, and all these guys. You know now you, you, they're just they're just guns for hire. Yeah. So lately, though, with horror films, you're finding a resurgence of these directors getting a lot bigger careers. We talk about James Wan quite a bit, and he's a perfect example of coming from a little film called Saw, and now the guy's doing DC and. But yes. still keeping his bearing straight and going back and doing, you know, Malignant and all these other films. I, I would say that there's a lot of genuine fresh talent still out there. But what the problem is, is the studios are repressing their visions. And they're, they're, uh, the studios are calling the shots as opposed to these directors. And that's sad to me, you know, that we're not getting... I know we are getting some coming through and stuff like Ty West, for example, James Wan you mentioned. Um, but, um, you know, you know, but perhaps there's other Sam Raimi types that aren't getting the chance because they're being crushed by these studios who are just a man, no, we... We're calling the shots here. But it's nice when you have Sam Raimi is producing, or maybe you'll have a Spielberg producing, where they can see a young talent. And he Absolutely. Saw, and he saw it in Fede Alvarez. Because he is taking his old school independent horror film, Evil Dead, and putting it in the hands of another independent filmmaker. Good on him. Yep. And he says it, take, make it your own. Now, Fede Alvarez, thanks to this little film... It's done some wonderful stuff. Don't Breathe, which is a wonderful little film he did um, with his, well, with the co-star, with the uh, young lady in this, Jane Levy. Uh, I like Jane. So Don't Breathe is very fun. And now he's working on the new Alien film, which yeah. is supposed to be really good, Romulus. So, you know, and we might be talking about that in the next film we're about to talk about, Evil Dead Rises, with Lee Cronin. So yes. horror films do seem to be a good stepping stone for directors. 
We talked about that with actors. They find their footing with horror. Kevin Bacon and all these, you know, all these filmmakers, Jack Nicholson, blah, 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 blah. They all start in horror. That's their stepping stone. And they go off to do greater things or other things. And so I, I and you're seeing that a lot. And I'm kind of rambling here, but I think we get my point. No, no, I, th- I think I know what you're saying. But what my issue would be, uh, I think it's good for people to stick to their roots. So um, why we have, you know, like, um, you know, you know, um, fresh new talents coming through. Um, I, I think it's always good for them to stick to their roots too, you know. Um, no, you can't do that because you can't take a director and tell him, oh, you're doing horror, stand here. No, no, I don't I mean. mean I, I mean, look, no, you don't want to put somebody in, in, a, in a box, um, you know. Of course not, you know. But at the same time, you know, um, you can go on to, to, to sort of, you know, different things as opposed to better things, if you know what I mean. Well, I mean, you know, look, at, look at Ben uh, Wheatley. Ben Wheatley is a perfect example. Ben Wheatley was. Yes. I was shocked because he does all these uh, night series, sight series, whatever it was a called. Field in England. Uh, Field in England. Uh, Kill list, yes. and very dark films. And now he's mm-hmm. just finished the Meg too. That's right. Yes, and, uh, I read and, that. Yeah, and and I guess people are applauding. Like, this is really fucking good. Ben Willie says, "Fuck, man, I just want to make a really badass creature feature." And, <laughs> Fair play to him. Yeah. So, so you want you, you know you want them to spread their wings. James Wan's a perfect example. But Fidel Alvarez, you know, baby stepped it, did this. Don't breathe. Now he's doing the big alien film. Mm-hmm. But we'll, we'll, we'll see. Let's talk about the uh, his vision uh, of Evil Dead twenty thirteen. There you go. This one, oh, uh, the reason they say this is more of a direct sequel to Evil Dead because the Evil Dead was was serious, yeah, this very is disturbing, and even the scene with the tree that Sam Raimi says he regrets putting in, they leave it in in this one. Yes, so yeah. you got to give Raimi credit because I guarantee you, Fiddy Alvarez says we need to keep that scene in it because if you want to stick true to the original, you have to. We got to do it. So it also um, adds to confirming the possession um, of Mia, um, and it's not. I mean, it's not. It's why that is. Well, I mean, it's nasty enough, but it's not. They don't go too far with it, in my opinion. You know what I mean? And I think it. You know, you don't. It's not graphic or anything. Like so much of the rest of the film is graphic in different ways. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's definitely graphic. So. Uh, the opening sequence alone is throws you off. It's it's a nice little cheat. And what it allows you to do is you f- you feel sorry for this it, within a matter of seconds. This young girl who clearly has been, you know, victimized some way. Um, so you're already rooting for her, and then you see these well, you, well it looks like Hicks from Deliverance, <laughs> you know, knocking her out. So you're like, oh, poor thing. And then she, you see her tied up, and the dad's pouring gasoline on her, and then you pretty much figure out that she's possessed <laughs> she's uh, the bad guy <laughs> yeah she's the bad guy it's a nice little misdirect and it definitely definitely has that feel of an evil dead the original evil dead film yeah. but i'm i'm telling you right now this film and the one we're about to talk about after this is a it i think it has dragged me to hell written all over it which is a good thing and uh so that that's our opening good brutal 
Setting, setting a child on fire. I like it. <laughs> I, I think it's just a, a really, really powerful, um, you know, opening sequence in, in several ways, but it also sets a tone uh, for what's about to come and that this is hardcore Evil Dead. We are not messing about here anymore. This is not sort of slapstick comedy. <laughs> goes, and the dad, yeah, I love that line where the daddy goes, I love you, honey. And then bang, <laughs> sets her on fire. Yeah. It was so cool, and the cool thing about it, you'd be like, "Oh my god, I can't watch this," but it's so comic booky in its own right. You can wink at, you know, it's winking at the audience. It's, I mean, yeah, they're talking. I mean, you can see it, it, the, the girls laughing, giggling, saying, you know, I'll, "I'll eat your soul," or whatever, mm-hmm. and you can you can tell it's it's you know it's. Come on, guys! Don't just have fun with this, will ya? <laughs> see, this is the thing. Uh, yeah, this is the thing, especially with this one. Why this one is brutally um, violent and gory. Uh, it never really feels nasty, and this is this still this came out ten years ago. There was still, um, we were still sort of within that sort of whole torture porn subgenre, which was you know popular at the time. So yeah, it, but it never fe- It's an Evil Dead film, so that only the Evil Dead can pull off can, can pull off such graphic sort of violence and gore and get away with it. Well, no, the, the difference is between this and torture porn that hack Eli Roth. Yes, is. Anyone could make somebody look like they can cut off their penis and yeah. make people cringe. This is comic book fantasy horror. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't take it seriously, but you mm-hmm. can have one. He, um, Ramey and Fidi Alvarez, they have a tendency, and especially in this film, it's almost like a fun house of gore. Yeah. That's a perfect way of describing this. It's just Ghost a- tree and horror, I would call it. Yeah. And well, I do call it. Yeah. Well, that's, isn't that, uh, yeah, that's, isn't that, no, Ghost House. Ghost House. But to me, it's like being on a ghost train. It's like a roller coaster ride of just fun frights and scurs. Oh, yeah. All yeah. that sort of thing. Yeah, exactly. No, Ghost House is the guys who produce this. Yes, that's right. That's Sam, Sam Raimi's company. company. Yeah. yeah. That's why I was getting confused there. Now, I do like the opening. Um, the one I wasn't a big Evil Dead fan um, mm-hmm. because I talked to the last po- in, the, in the podcast when we did Evil Dead. That I saw Evil Dead Two first, so I was looking for this tongue-in-cheek goofiness. Yes, which we obviously didn't get. But the opening sequence I always admired with the Evil Dead, beautiful countryside. You know, you meet these friends for just a couple, a couple of moments. You get to marinate in the beautiful countryside. And then I once- thought there was some homages there to The Shining with some of those shots. Yeah, you know the may- beginning of The Shining. Yeah, some of the drone shots. You might, you might be right, but. I got Evil Dead out of it because the old Evil Dead starts off this way, mm-hmm. and then once you get to the cabin, dun, 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 <laughs> you know it's 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 let people know okay, let the games begin. Yes, um, I I do really like the um, stuff about addiction. That basically Mia is having her uh, friends and her brother have brought her there to get her off the drugs again, and she's going to be going through cold turkey. So it's uh, I really like that angle they played with it, and it completely works. Um, whenever she's becoming possessed. Well, yeah, that's all point. You don't know if she's. Uh, we we know what's happening as the audience mm-hmm. member, but the characters don't. They think she's just tweaking from withdrawal. Yes, and it's very fun. And when you think about it, you mentioned a second ago, like the opening sequence was Shining. This is a lot like Shining, because mm-hmm. a lot of people don't realize the Shining is really about withdrawal. Yes. Because the character of Jack is an alcoholic. Correct. And he's yep. institutionalized. So that's what the Shining technically is, is about. So kind of has that little, you know, reminiscence of, of, of the Shining. 
Yeah, absolutely, and it's about the whole thing. I know with the original novel, um, The Shining as well. You know, it's the whole thing about you know there's the there's the supernatural horrors and demons, but then there's the personal ones of addiction. So yeah, that, that stuff always works for me. Yeah, and again, we talk about minimal cast, and I like that. It's the way most films should have. So we got Mia, David, Olivia, poor poor Eric, <laughs> and, <laughs> and Natalie. That's it. That's all we need, and Eric. He's the dipshit who actually reads from the book who causes all this. Oh, come on. Are you trying to tell me if you didn't find that book, you wouldn't read from it? No, I would. I would I not. Yeah, would. you would. You're a sick bastard. That's why, Can I just say this? That's why I'll... nobody wants to go like fucking hunting or something to do <laughs> and you find some fucking book. And I would read it, no problem. You'd be like, oh, let's just say, oh, yeah. Fuck. Uh, can I just say as well, just as a bit of an aside, um, I think out of all of the prop books used in the five films so far, this is my favourite. Oh, no, 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 no. We'll get to that. Oh, no. We'll get to it. Yeah. All right. Uh, I think all the books, all the books seem to have different characters. You know, mm-hmm. there's always a different version of the book. And Well, we'll get to that. Now, let me ask you this. Where is it? Okay, they find this book in the basement, right? Yes. This is with the basement where the girl was burned. Mm-hmm. Now, technically, this is the same cabin that was the Evil Dead, or is it the same area? See, I, no, I believe it's the same cabin. Okay. Um, so, although, there's ambiguity there, like, you know. <clears throat> yeah, they're going to change things up. That's fine. But mm-hmm. two questions. First of all, how come every time there's a movie when a young couple, young people are going to a cabin and they live in this shithole? There's no way someone's going to live in this cabin. Well, it, uh, to be fair, that is sort of exp- sort of explained in that um, whenever the first go into the cabin, this used to be the holiday house for the family. Um, but um, since um, they hadn't been back there in a lot of years, because you know David and Mia's mother died and she was mentally unwell and stuff, there's quite a bit of subtext there about that as well. You know, with what happens to Mia. But anyway, it's explained um, basically that basically it's it's been abandoned and it's went to shit. And whenever they go into it, they were expecting it to be like it was. But it obviously wasn't. And I think David says, oh, teenagers must have, you know, come in here and tried to place. And they do tie it up, to be fair. Yeah, okay. Still a shithole. <laughs> so the book they find in the basement, is that the same book that Ash Well, read, Or is that a different book? Well, mm, see, there's, there's, there's quite a bit of confusion here. I don't want to go into Evil Dead Rise because it is sort of, explained in Evil Dead Rise but we'll get that tune into the next podcast folks because we'll be talking about that okay. <laughs> and, and there is an explanation given in Evil Dead Rise it's quite I missed subtle. it I missed yes. that so I, it's I quite it. subtle but um, um, we'll, we'll talk about that on the next podcast but um, this is yeah I, 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 see to be honest this is more of a, of a remake to me in my head um, as opposed to a direct sequel, I I, lo- I know the director, um, Fede um, Alves. Um, hope I'm pronouncing his, his name correctly. Alvarez. There. Alvarez, yeah, um, has um, stated that there's it's set in the same universe as the original. I and my head canon of the series, it's not really. Uh, that's a different book. Um, so yeah, if they were going to do that, set it in the same universe, they should have stuck with the same book because that's a different fucking book. Also, you know. Also, uh, you would also then ask that why, whenever Mia and David and their parents used to go there as kids to this cabin, why they didn't discover the book or none of this crazy shit happened to them. So that's because they—I don't think they discovered it because Mia. This is, this is kind of smart part here, where Mia's going through withdrawal. Yes. And Olivia, he's kind of the nurse, says yes. her her senses are going to be, you know. 
up full notch. Yeah. Because she's going through a trial. So Mia smells blood is what she's mm-hmm. pretty much smelling. And that leads her. And the dog is crashing out the carpet. So I, maybe they just didn't have noticed that the basement was there because of her. Well, it appears that in in between, whenever they were like a family and used to holiday in it, and them was coming to it for the film, um, for the story that we're seeing, it appears that it was taken over by these, um, <coughs> you know, the sort of the inbred family, or, or we're led to believe they're like this inbred family at the beginning, um, and the mother who's like a, some sort of white witch, um, you know. Um, so they actually hijacked the, the cabin as opposed to teenagers. When, oh, it's a scene of all the gore we see, because the gore is so over the top, you have a good laugh with it. Yeah. Uh, especially with the razor blade and the tongue. But <laughs> the when Mia is turned and she's in the shower. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. And she has it on boiling. Scalded on herself. see her skin popping. Yeah. And he... The brother David has to grab her, get in her car, and get her to the hospital. Obviously, yeah. we know the the woods are going to let her up and let him out. <laughs> and there's a nice shot where David gets out of the car, and you just see her leaning back in the front seat, and she just gives him this little this little smirk. Mm-hmm. It's very faint. Yes, but but God, she sells it. It's a really nice little scene. Just saying, you're fucked. Jean Levy is a brilliant actress. She's a good actress, Jane Levy. She's yeah. very talented. Um, like I said, she's very good in Don't Breathe. and She's a very talented comedic actress, too. Yeah. This was actually her first horror. Yeah, she's, she's still a newcomer but by this point. Yeah. She had a little uh, Spurbia or something like that. I can't remember what it was called. Comedy show mm-hmm. in the in the States. Um, she just did a musical show. Some, right. Somebody's mm-hmm. playlist. I can't remember what it was called. She's also she, in Castle Rock as like a young Annie Wilkes, I believe. Or? No, that's not her. Oh, no, she's not the young Annie Wilkes. Who is she in Castle Rock? I can't she, remember, but Annie Wilkes is played by uh, Lizzie Kaplan. She's, she's Jack Torrance's daughter, I believe. Uh, I, or, can't, I can't remember Castle Rock. Sally was yeah. cancelled. Yeah. Uh, all right, so, yeah, you know, and also we talk about directors getting discovered and finding their footing with horror. Also, you know, we talked about my old 80 slashers, and I love my 80 slashers. No, there's mm-hmm. But the, the acting now is so far up to par. I mean, the acting is so much better. Yeah, they're, they're actually getting real actors. In. <laughs> you know, actual qualified professional actors. Now, we are Whereas missing before, the, it your, be just we, your, like, your mates. <laughs> we, we are missing the your doom guy. From, you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, per, per Crazy Ralph. That would be yep. good. Have Crazy Ralph show up. Uh, well, I mean, the, I mean, the original Evil Dead, that was just all Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell's mates, you know? Oh, yeah, I know, yeah. When, um... I, the one thing about the Evil Dead, and we talked about how it winks at the audience, get guys fuck up. This is just a film. Mm-hmm. When she gets, uh, when she pukes all over Olivia, <laughs> <laughs> and they're all like, mm, "That's peculiar." I was like, "What yeah. the fuck?" Uh, but Eric, at this point, knows. Yes, I, I fucked up here. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, uh, I mean, it literally says on this book, you know, "Do not read from this book. Close this book." And what does he do? He Fucking straight away. I mean, you'd think he'd be distracted by everything that was going on with Mia, but no, no, he decides, you know, um, yeah, I will read from it. Well, not just read from it, I'll fucking read out loud, you know. This is where creative filmmaking comes in. The whole film is quite well done. But mm-hmm. You know, I, I always like to use the term flash of genius. And yeah. you can be a bad director, but there's a flash of genius when you, get, when you do a really good shot. And to me, the best shot in this film... It was two shots, actually. 
first one is this one, and it's when Olivia's turning. She goes in, she goes into the bathroom. She and great. She she closes the mirror and then she sees herself, mm-hmm. but all cut up and her jaw is completely gone and just all fucked up. Yeah. Kind of like what's to come. Yeah. And she just sits there and stares at herself for a second, and then you know she's starting to tweak because of the puke. Yeah. And as this is happening, David is it David? No, Eric. This whole scene is terrifying. The needle. Oh. Poor Eric yes. is walking. Like- Eric's walking slowly to the door. Now, here's the great thing, the great setup of this direction. We don't see her cutting herself. We don't see her just, you know, Eli Roth would have. Oh, yeah, but of course. we don't need that to. That ain't a fucking wanked over it. <laughs> no kidding. We, we don't need to because mm-hmm. the tension alone of him slowly opening that door yeah. and going to that shower curtain, we know the image we're about to see mm-hmm. because we saw it in the mirror. That is so intense. and then totally, we, totally agree. Um, and it's a case of, you know, and I know this film does show a lot of violence and gore, but in this particular scene, it's more about what you don't see, your imagination fills in the bits. and But also, we have seen it in the mirror anyway, so we know, yeah. That's my point. So yes. when we see her, obviously, the doing the act, mm-hmm. oh, she's kind of done already. He freaks out. But when he, she takes that needle and starts sticking him with it, it's just, oh, I can't watch this. Yeah, it is brilliant. And then he's got to peel the, the needle from his eye. Oh, <laughs> oh fucking hell. And then, but he gets, he gets, his, he gets um, back at her with the, like, the part of the sink that he bashes over her head. Yeah. And then, yeah, then David walks in, what the fuck? He's like, yeah, I, <laughs> I, I really had no choice. Eric was, she was trying to kill me. She was trying to kill me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. God. <laughs> and then poor Natalie, when she's down there, she gets trapped down there with Mia and yeah. Mia, and it takes the blade and cuts her tongue and it looks like a lizard. It's like, oh, well, well it's, I think it's more the forked tongue of a demon that she's trying to, you know. Oh, okay. I was do. thinking like a snake, whatever. Yeah, yeah, more demonic, sort of, you know, like the biblical forked tongue type thing, you know. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, she's just sitting there and she's like, I'm not Mia, you idiot. Yeah. Uh, your little sister is being raped in hell. It's like, God. Yeah, yeah it's brutal. And then she says to David, um, something like, um, hey, sexy boy, why don't you come down here and I'll suck your cock? You know, it's, yeah, it's it's very, yeah. Well, yeah. it's very demonic. <laughs> and then you got poor Natalie who cuts her arm off. I'm okay yeah. now. I'm feeling a lot better. <laughs> it's just hanging off. Yeah, yeah, that's right. It's literally hanging by a thread almost, you know? Oh, my God. It's so fun. Um, And then per Eric. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But Eric gets punished bad in this, but he sort of deserves it because he read from the book. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I know. And the fucking nail gun. Oh, my God. Needles and nail guns. I can watch Gore (laughs) Galore, but you put these two fucking things into one film, one scene. Yeah. It just. But the nail gun scene is very fun. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and then the crowbar. <laughs> yeah, mm. I do love uh, um, around this point in the film. There's the big. Um, it's only it's only in the director's cut. It was in the trailer, but it's actually only in the director's cut of the film where um, Mia um, references the original film. You know, she's onto the cellar and she goes, "We're gonna get you. We're gonna get you. Not another. <laughs> um, you know, not another pipe. Time to go to sleep. Type thing. You know." Uh, I didn't. I didn't know much of the difference between the regular and the director's cut. I know it's five minutes. I think they say there's uh, not. It's only for the eagle-eyed sort of evil dead nerds that would notice. But to be okay. honest, yeah. all right. He decides because Eric was telling him 
the book uh, has pictures. Yes. And it lets you know, you know, and which I like because it kind of lets us. I see love what, that. We, that we really can creepy. see what's going to happen. It's easier yeah. for us to interpret without them to have to fucking read something. The book's basically foretelling the film, and I thought that was really creepy and, and quite um, cool. Yeah. And so they talk about how you need to kill her and bring her back. Now, let me ask you this. Before, David, he's like the sole survivor at this point. Yes. Well, we don't realize Eric's still technically alive. He goes back even though being almost buried, <laughs> per guy. He gets it even worse, yeah. I know. But there's a scene where Eric's thinking, and this tree gets hit by lightning, and mm-hmm. it sets on fire. Was that God? I telling, think that was... Um, was that God telling him, you need to do this? No, I don't know. Well, possibly. I mean, that's one interpretation. Um, but it's basically, he's a mechanic. So, right, right, see, just to explain all of this, see, earlier in the film at the start, um, the um, David, um, Eric and stuff um, tells, and Olivia and stuff, they tell David that technically, technically Mia overdosed and died. Technically, she was dead for, like, whatever amount of seconds or minutes or whatever. But she was revived. So then later on, now he's a mechanic, don't forget he's a car mechanic, it's confirmed he works in a garage. So later on, whenever the lightning happens, uh, which basically um, could be God, I don't know, yeah, that's a fair enough interpretation. But I, it basically gives him the idea to basically kill Barry, because one of the ways to kill the, the, the demonic forces, I mean, there's bodily dismemberment, but another way is to bury them alive. Um, so he then has the idea when he sees the lightning to basically bury his sister alive. Then once the demon goes out of her and the, the, both her and the demon die, then he's going to bring her back. Yeah, I know. Jump that, starter. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Yes. Is but that this God? Is foreshadowed that, at the beginning. Yeah, with, but yeah, yeah, but it was that lightning strike. Yeah. Is that's God? You do you know do the Frankenstein thing? Yes. And so because when he does bury her, yes. And he's waiting. You know, she has to die before he can, you know, revive her. Yes. The tree goes out. Mm-hmm. Then he knows to revive her. Yes. Do you get my point? Yeah, no, no, I, I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. So uh, that little, little, I mean, the Evil Dead films are going a little, you know, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. religion here. Oh, yeah, but yeah, I mean, that, that's totally, you know, fine by me. I, I also thought it was more of a sort of reference to the original, where there's lightning, you know, um, sort of, but, but it's like done sort of like the special effects of it aren't great, let's just say, you know, because it's very much an independent film. Um, so, yeah, yeah, I mean, fair enough. Yeah, I'd run with that. There's another nice shot, my second favorite shot, where he's about to bury her and then he you know she's in this plastic bag and she's mm-hmm. breathing so it's kind of foggy yes and the way he talks she's, she's talking to him oh, it's and then she, he just she just stares at him through the bag with just these eyes very scary fucking that should be a poster it's creepy it reminded me of the devil exorcist thing yeah you know yeah uh, it was just fucking creepy genuinely unsettling yeah, because most of this films just you have a good laugh and you're trying not you trying not to go Jesus per Eric. But that's that's a great but thing. The great thing about yeah, yeah you, you could take you one present one place and the next you can flip it on you and go fuck exactly because Evil Dead um it balances the line between horror and comedy almost perfectly. Yeah. Um. Whenever you know like the original stuff, the, the, it's it can be genuinely scary, but at the same time you're just like sitting there with a big smile on your face, just like rolling with the madness. So. I do like the twist when David goes back into the house and he's going to burn everything once he revives her. And then Eric's actually still alive. <laughs> Poor Eric. Um, 
So he kills Eric, finally. <laughs> but at the same time, he knows he has to kill himself. Yes. Because Eric hit him. So he knows he's going to turn. And we see that when his body's on fire, his eyes yes. turn monstrous. But he, yeah, kicks, but he kicks her out and says, stay out of here. We, we have, I have to end this. Yes. Um, a self-sacrifice. But I have to say, it's only actually confirmed in the director's cut that David becomes possessed and, you know, his eyes go. Um, originally, because there was a lot of fans sort of picked holes in that, saying, you know the way it says in the book that it needs five souls? Um, well, um, not inc- we're not counting the girl at the start um, who gets killed by her father because too much time has passed. But basically, yeah, um, so d- it had to be confirmed. That's why that his eyes going was just basically confirmation that he was actually possessed. Yeah, I, I kind of like that. Well, there's two ways you could you could go. I can see why they cut it. Mm-hmm. Because this way, you know, hey, he had to kill himself anyway because he was turning. He knew it. But if he wasn't turning, it looks like more of a self-sacrifice yeah. rather than, oh, I've got to kill myself because I'm going to turn anyway. So mm-hmm. the other way might look makes him more of a hero, I guess you could say. Yes. But also his journey is complete because there's this backstory where Mia keeps kind of throwing at him, you weren't there when Mother was dead. Yeah. Yada, yada, yada. So he... He kind of needed that moment, and that was his. So yeah. I can see why the director might have decided not to see him turn. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but yeah, uh-huh. uh, yeah, but yeah, that's totally makes sense about um, David's story. While I love this version of the Evil Dead, I on rewatching it as you would say through the podcast size, I do have some issues with it, and one of them is actually the character of David himself, who I felt came across as a little bland, and he is certainly no wise, you know. Well, we don't need that. That's a different character. Mm. This is a different tone film. No, but apparently they were originally wanting to set him up. Um, oh, as, no. As the new guy. No. Shiloh but, Fernandez is his but, name. He's not but, a good, he's a very bland actor. Yeah, but you know who actually put his foot down and said no? It was Bruce Campbell, apparently, from what I've read anyway. Yeah, because no, you, you got to have charisma and some kind of... Yeah, pers- movie charm. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Bill Pullman. Yeah. he. Bill be, Paxton. Be, Yes, this guy. Eighties Bill Paxton. Too much of a male model, you know. So, um, I love the ending sequence. We got all this blood flying all over the place, and this devil yeah. woman's coming to get him. Now the abomination is coming to get Mia. This whole sequence is so fun because, first of all, she gets in this little tunnel, and I'm already claustrophobic right there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she gets into the shed, and the zombie person's coming to get her. And then she goes into the side walls where she's throwing the machete through the wall. Oh, oh, <laughs> but my point is that it's, she's getting, it's, you're getting more claustrophobic, more claustrophobic. The, the, she's getting, it's getting tighter, tighter, getting in tighter and tighter. Yeah. I mean, how she can get out of this. And then of course we see the, the wonderful chainsaw. Absolutely. You know? Yep. Um, and then just destroys her. Now was that the girl that attacked her? Was that the witch from the beginning? No. This this is another issue I have with this film and have always had with this film. I I find the ending while it has some good bits with me and the, and the chainsaw and stuff. There's a lot of confusion here about what exactly and who exactly the abomination is, and it's it's uh, my, my mind is you know sort of I've jumped from you know different things. In the book, the, the, the apparently in the original script, this is what I've read up on. Um, uh, you know, at the time when this was released ten years ago as well, the abomination was meant to be. The basically, and I'm gonna. There's gonna be big spoilers here for Evil Dead Rise. I must say, so be warned. Um, and we're gonna talk about it in more detail in the next podcast. But the abomination apparently in Evil Dead 2013 was meant to be all of the four victims, 
um, um, May's sort of friends and brother um, joining together and forming this abomination, essentially this horrible monster of so them all joining the thing. together. Yes, basically. But then, um, for whatever reasons, maybe budgetary constraints, maybe the special effects didn't come off well. I don't know. Um, the abomination was basically it's me. It's me as doppelganger. You know who she glimpses at whenever she's becoming possessed at the start. Uh, that's what the abomination is. Uh, I, 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 but I, it confused me because it's never properly it's never properly confirmed. And um, at times I've thought, is that the girl from the start? Who the, who is the abomination? What does the abomination represent? And yeah, but I'm pretty sort of in my mind. I'm pretty sort of now content that it's me as doppelganger. Um, but this is was always one of the issues I had with this film since it was originally released. So it's not a major issue. I think it still works and stuff. But I would just like would have liked. Uh, I don't again. It's not a question of spelling things out for the viewer. But it's more. I would have liked more confirmation of what exactly was the point and who exactly was the abomination. You know what they could have done. They could have. As the house is burning down, you know, yeah, they could have showed the book, mm-hmm. you know, starting to go on fire, and then the pages turn, and at the very end, show what the abomination is, and then that's when it pops out. Yeah, yes, huh? yes, that would have worked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm a that filmmaker. I'm a filmmaker. On the subject of the book, I do like how at the end, when it's all wrapped up and stuff, the book basically closes and it's like reset to Linux. People crowd of dumb fuck teenagers find it you know well let's talk about that yeah. <laughs> um i think you and i are both on board that this is a pretty solid little film yes um can i just say as well just just as well the most um the, the scene that makes me wince the most is when mia mia's arm is trapped under the oh, car oh yeah <laughs> oh it's just um, yeah because you don't have a weapon to do anything you just got to pull it off Oh, she rips her own hand off, basically. Yeah. And then, <laughs> then she does a knife and sticks a chainsaw on it and kills the abomination. Um, yeah, this is, this has got a lot going for it. And yes. I think uh, the the gore, but it knows when to wink at you, but at the same time, it can scare the fuck out of you. Mm-hmm. Um, it could disturb you. And then you can have a nice laugh 10 seconds later. <laughs> it's, it's this really... is a genuinely scary film. Yeah, it, yeah, it's it's yeah, it's it's a it's a, it's a, it's a roller coaster of horror. Yes, um, giving you all elements of horror, and uh, it's definitely good fun. And for this guy's first massive outing, you know, kudos. Yeah. Awesome. And I can't I can't wait to see what he is with the Alien film. Yeah. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. Um, next up, guys, we're gonna talk the massive, massive, massive underdog story, The Evil Dead Rises. I'll yeah. explain more of that in the next podcast listen guys thank you so much you can uh give us a shout out citizen frame underscore podcast and of course on facebook we're gonna wrap this one up as we always do in my normal fashion just taking my time chilling yeah <laughs> all right we're I'm, I'm, I'm losing it all right all right guys uh chat soon <laughs>